Tonight on Huckabee, popular daytime talk show host, Dr. Phil. Raymond Arroyo shares the unexpected line of Thomas Edison. Laugh all night with comedy stuntman, Max Winfrey. The harmonious sounds of the French family. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Welcome, everybody. We have a great studio audience. We're going to have a great time tonight. You will enjoy the show. I guarantee it. But I got to tell you, watching Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, <laughs> folks, that's like watching a master class in how to read from a notebook that's filled with nonsense, exaggerations, misinformation, and outright fibs, otherwise known in political circles as flaming lies, okay? <laughs> Well, this past week, she stepped into what my friend Larry Gatlin would euphemistically call bovine droppings <laughs> of her own making when she claimed that President Biden has reduced illegal immigration by 90%. Watch this. Tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this, we actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way. Uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has, it has, um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%. And that's because of this act, the actions that this president has taken. Are you kidding me? Huh? Even by using common core math or critical race theory math, the numbers are not only imaginary, they're laughable. I mean, according to the agency that actually has to track the numbers rather than the hot gas from the White House press podium, <laughs> the numbers for fiscal 2022 were about 2.4 million. That's 136,000 more than the most ever illegal immigrants in U.S. history. That's hardly a 90% reduction. Now, how she could say such a thing and expect to be taken seriously is truly beyond me. I mean, not even CNN or BSNBC can pretend <laughs> that she didn't just pick a figure right out of her curls. I mean, saying something like that is so ridiculous on his face only because most of the media are committed to covering for Joe Biden's blunders but how it doesn't result in a mass walkout from the press room with the last person leaving setting the curtains on fire is absolutely beyond me. <laughs> Folks, President Biden gets away with stuff so easily repudiated that I've decided to make a list of things that Corrine Jean-Pierre has claimed about her boss, and I want to share it with you now. You see, according to Corrine Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden was the arresting officer when John Wilkes Booth assassinated <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Joe Biden invented ice cream. And that explains why he's always having an ice cream cone. It's also true that he can eat as much as he wants and he never has brain freeze. I'll let you figure that one out. 
Uh, she claims it was Joe Biden and not Charles Lindbergh who did the first transatlantic solo flight. <laughs> he invented the phonograph and the movie projector. He still listens to vinyl records. His favorite is Pokey Little Puppy and the Pancake Party. <laughs> and his favorite movie is the autobiographical film Psycho. <laughs> he was the first American to step on the moon, but Neil Armstrong took credit for it. <laughs> Here's a little secret. Joe Biden never fussed much about that because the actual video had him tumbling down the stairs of the <laughs> lunar module and hitting his head on some moon rock. So. By the way, it was actually Joe Biden who ended the Cold War. But he did it by claiming that global warming had thawed out the cold. <laughs> and therefore, there was no more war. And he also discovered the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Who. But when a reporter asked him who was his favorite, he said, Who? I, I guess the Beatles when they weren't stoned, but who you think is okay. Who else is there? By the way, Joe Biden was also the heavyweight champion of the world, defeating Muhammad Ali, and once biting the ear off of a guy named Corn Pop in a huge fight that he won right after winning the Olympic swimming championship in a pool where the neighborhood kids like to feel the white hairs on his legs. He and Al Gore invented the internet and he wrote a movie script for his son, Hunter, called Chinatown. <laughs> he also invented shampoo, and that is why he's always sniffing the hair of little girls to determine what shampoo they use. I may have lost him on that one, I'm not sure. <laughs> Just listening to the many things that Corrine Jean-Pierre claims her boss has done really makes you realize that it must be possible that a guy who only came out of his basement once a week and never drew a crowd bigger than a dozen cars in a Dollar General parking lot during his entire campaign could maybe, after all, win. Even though he couldn't put a sentence together that made sense, he was a great candidate after all. Even if he called a college student in one of his own rallies a lying dog-faced pony soldier. People still thought he was a nice old guy. And somehow he ended up getting more votes than anyone in American history, even more than Barack Obama. And as president, he gets up at the crack of noon. <laughs> and he works till 2 p.m. Then he takes a two-hour nap and calls a lid on the day at 4 p.m. <laughs> and to all this, I salute Corrine Jean-Pierre because she's got a bigger imagination than Walt Disney and Steven Spielberg combined. <laughs> Well, I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Phil McGraw right here in our theater. We talked about his life on TV, his humble beginnings, and what we as Christians can do to keep focused on the things that really matter. Stick around for that. It's coming up right after the break. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us what's going on tonight. Well, coming up next, words of wisdom from Dr. Phil. And later, it's all about household harmony when the French family performs on Huckabee.
the past two decades, I think it's fair to say, they've been a turbulent time. But through it all, for 21 years, we have been welcoming a very wise and comforting guide into our living rooms to help us make sense of all the craziness. Dr. Phil McGraw has made us all stop and ask ourselves, how's that working out for you? Well, I'm going to tell you, it worked out great for us because he is our first guest. Would you please welcome Dr. Phil? I want to know how much you pay these people to be the members of your fan club uh, and come here tonight. I'm not telling anybody. Well, what a great reception you have had. No, I think anybody who has watched you over the years know that you do bring a level of common sense <clears throat> that has been missing in a lot of the uh, pseudoscience of psychology and in some of the uh, more garbled versions of it. Well, you know, common sense is just not common enough anymore, right? It's and not. It seems like... It's really getting less and less common as each year goes by. We've got people in America that I think are focused on trying to tear this country down and are hijacking the narrative that has made America what it is over the years. And when, when, when you, I truly believe that family in America is under attack. Yeah. I think it's been under attack, and I think that attack has become a feverish attack on the family unit in America, and, and family is the backbone of America. And you, you, I heard you talking so eloquently about what's going on in Chicago and, and what we saw, and I see these kids out there doing this, and you know what first came to my mind is, where are their parents? Yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, there used to be a thing, you and I are old enough to remember it, Used to be a thing that came on the network, there'd be a little ding, and it'd say, it's 10 o'clock. Yes. Where are your children? Yeah. Do these people not know where their kids are? I wonder if maybe we ought to do the ding and at 10 o'clock say, do you know where your parents are? Yeah, really. Because they're not there either. And in this day and time with the internet, it's always 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I, I tell parents over and over, you are not going to be the only voice in your child's ear so you better make sure you are the best voice in your child's ear. You better be, absolutely. It's, it's hard sometimes, I think, for parents. They feel overwhelmed. They feel like they're competing with what kids are getting at school, their peers. Uh, social media has such an impact, and you mentioned that. But, I mean, how do parents even cope with that? Because a lot of parents are scared to death to tell their children no. Yeah, well, they may not like hearing it, but they'll get used to it. <laughs> they'll get used to it. And, you know, so many of these kids have an entitled attitude where they think, I'm entitled to a, a smartphone. I'm entitled to uh, a computer. I'm entitled to be taken where I want to go. I'm entitled. They're not entitled to anything except food and shelter and love and supervision. Mm -hmm. And all of the rest of these things are gifts that are earned mm -hmm. They're earned by conduct and productivity and hard work. And if you just give them those things independent of what they do, there's a real misconception. Parents need to understand they're not raising children, they're raising adults. Hmm. Yeah. Everything they're doing 
everything they're doing today. And when you look at that five-year-old, when you look at that six-year-old, you look at that 12-year-old, everything your child will ever be, they are now becoming. And that's what you need to be aware of when you're doing what you're doing and consecrating that child's behavior. I mean, I, I heard it wisely said that the job of a parent is to train his or her replacements. And, and if you think about it in those terms, how do you want them to behave when they become adults? What's going on in the and world? And you wonder what, if, it's, if it's where it is now, and this silent majority in America needs to stop being silent. Yes. We, we need to, and, and, there, and I, I see it so much where people don't want to talk about their faith. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm proud to say I'm a Christian. And I think that the silent majority cannot afford to be silent. We need to stand up. We need to step up. We need to speak up. And we need to reclaim the narrative in America about what's expected, because if it is where it is now and we continue to lean back, where do you think it's going to be in five years? If, if we're still even a country in five years with the, the direction we're going. I, I'm, I'm so glad you said what you did about not being afraid, because a lot of people, they don't want to be labeled. Nobody wants to be labeled. Nobody wants to be called a bigot or a racist. I mean, who would? So people, they just lay low because they say that if they speak up, somebody will hand them a label. How do they get over that fear? Well, part of it is if you realize that you're not alone. You know, if people stand up and if they feel like they're that lone voice in, in the dark that's speaking out against uh, all of this that's going on, then it, it, can, it can be pretty scary. But, you know, there was a time when we stood up for the people that we believed in. We stood by our neighbors. We stood by our family members. And now I think people are afraid of getting canceled. They're afraid of getting those labels. And we can't do that anymore. You can't give all the attention to those who are yelling the loudest. Mm. Because that, just because they're yelling loud doesn't mean they're right. It just means they're loud. <laughs> and very well said. Very well said. And, you know, we have to be willing to stand up and speak up for what we really care about. And it, and it starts with that family unit. And for the first time, we've seen church, church membership drop below 50% in yeah. this country. And why is that? It's because family is fragmenting. People worship together as a family. And it's dropping below because families are, are starting to fragment. We've got to pull families back together, have meals together, have, as corny as it sounds, have family meetings, talk about things that are important. And, you know, I, I hear people talking about, you know, they don't know what's going on at their children's school. You need to know what's going on. It's your job to know. Yeah. And you hear about these school shooters and parents say, well, I, I didn't know he had nine AK-47s under his bed. Well, you know what? It's your job to know. You need to look under the bed. It's your job to know. And, and it, it's not informing on your, your child. It's getting help for your child. Look, I, these, these, these kids that are doing these things are in pain. They need help. I, I think that's such a a missed message today, Dr. Phil, because, you know, parents, they're afraid of their own children. And, and what you just said, I hope people take to heart. They need help. They need someone to confront them in a loving way, but still not just say, yeah, go ahead and do destructive things because we don't love you enough to stop you. Yeah, and it's the same thing. I always tell kids, telling is not tattling. If you see a kid in the classroom that is really 
causing you concern, talking to someone in responsibility about that is not tattling. It's help this young man. Get him some relief here before he destroys his life and those around him. If somebody reaches out to him and gets him over a crisis moment, he'll probably never go back to that point. People need to reach out. And I'm saying the things I'm saying because I'm concerned. I love this country. Mm. And I'm proud to say I love this country. I stand up when the flag is is floating. And I'm not a, I'm not ashamed of it. And, and you know, people can criticize me for that all they want. And if they don't want to stand up, that's their choice. But it's also my choice to stand up. And I'm going to do that. We, we've kind of... Uh covered a lot of the landscape of, of some of the real challenges we're facing in this country. But I, I want to give you an opportunity to just say, is there hope? I mean, are, are you optimistic? Because if all we do is hear what we've just been discussing, I think both of us should curl up in a fetal position down on the floor and just say, come get us. But there's got to be something there that we see the light at the end of the tunnel, that it isn't a train. Well, I don't know about you, but if I curl up in the fetal position, somebody would have to come get me because I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I could get up off the floor. But, um, but I can tell you this. I am the incurable optimist, Governor. I am the incurable optimist. And I believe that this country, with all of us that care and all of us that believe in what we believe, if we will do one thing... I think we have to decide that we are going to be who we are on purpose. Mm. You cannot wake up every day and just react to what's in front of you. You can't just be who you are kind of reactively by default. You have to decide who you are and be who you are on purpose. Choose what you believe, choose what you want, and act accordingly. Be who you are on purpose. And if you do that, if we all do that, if all of you do that and we start doing it, then I I promise you we can move this country back in the right direction. Do I think there's hope? I think there's an abundant amount of hope here. Mm. I think there's an abundant amount of joy. I I hear this audience and see these people out here and I think, These people got in their cars today. They drove through the rain. They came in here to be in the presence of Governor Huckabee because you speak the truth. Mm. They didn't have to do that. I would also say there is a reason that millions of people have been watching Dr. Phil for several decades now. And uh, we've just heard a good reason for it. If you want to stay up to date on Dr. Phil, we got you covered. All you got to do is go to Huckabee.tv for links, news, and more information. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to maybe give us a little hint at what is coming up on the show. Up next, the hilarious news of the week on In Case You Missed It. Welcome back to the show. Now, 
Keith, I don't know if you noticed this, but during the break, I was noticing something. Don't look now, but we have a familiar face out in our audience tonight. It's our friend yeah. and favorite yeah. comic, Shonda Pierce, is yeah. out there in the second row. Shonda, we are... It's the best show that I'm not on. Well, I know. We're used to seeing you up here on the stage. This is the first time you've been out there sitting in the audience. You must really love coming. I like this better. Well, we can... Well, the popcorn's good. There you go. You are really good at your job. But there's a reason that we wanted you to be here, because you've got a brand new movie coming out. I have a wonderful movie coming out called Roll With It. You can go to rollwithit.movie and get a ticket. It's only in the movie theaters, 9, 11, and 13th of May. And it's so funny, it was filmed right here in Nashville, and I played Waitress Bonnie at the Biscuit Barrel. At the Biscuit Barrel. At the Biscuit Barrel. Nice. You know, I've seen the trailer, and it is hilarious. I think it's going to be one of those movies that'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. Uh, it's it's touching. It's got music and comedy and everything that's great in a movie. It's inspirational. Michael W. Smith is in this movie, but he dresses like Billy Ray Cyrus and he sings Freebird. Wow! Wow! It's, Michael it's such W. A Smith spiritual movie. doing Freebird, and that's a spiritual movie. I'm it somehow. Is. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Now we're going to have to watch it. Don't miss Shonda Pierce and the movie Roll With It coming to theaters across the country this very week. It's going to be fun. All right. From rap lovers to giant hairdos, we've got the news that will make you flip your wig on in case you missed it. All right, I told you about New York City hiring a rat czar. Well, leave it to the people for ethical treatment of animals to make a silly story even more absurd. You see, PETA is protesting that street rats don't deserve to be killed because they are, quote, sensitive, intelligent animals. Far more sensitive, intelligent than some of the animals you meet on the subway in New York, that's for sure. (laughs) Hey, they're just typical New Yorkers who love pizza. Watch this little rat. Wait a moment. There's one right now. Wait a minute. Holy Keith, he has your lunch. I was going to eat that. What? You still can. He won't eat that much of it, so you can still have some of it. We'll divide it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before Peter proposes setting up little tents on the sidewalk for all the homeless rats, I got to admit, they got a point. Because they said the rats are drawn by all the garbage everywhere. And that New York doesn't have a rat problem. It's got a disgusting human behavior problem. I I think you're onto something. Hmm. You know, couldn't we all agree that it's both? I mean, I think the root cause of all this is New York's disgusting, useless politician problem. (laughs) There you go. There's your problem. (laughs) In fact, if you want to solve the rats, the garbage, and all of New York's problems, Just get rid of the rats spewing garbage down at City Hall. It might make a difference. (laughs) Well, speaking of bad behavior, police say that Minnesota resident Jordan Mullicky had a little too much fun while vacationing in Clearwater, Florida. Keith, how come it's always in Florida? I don't know. I I, I was wondering about that as you were reading it. What is it? But anyway, he allegedly broke into a building after dark and the cleaning crew discovered him carrying a trash bag full of alcohol bottles in his left hand and a fire extinguisher in his right hand. He was loaded for something. I know. 
<laughs> anyway, police said that he showed an indication of alcohol influence. You think? <laughs> Maybe a little. Apparently, he told the cops, and I quote, it's a fun time to be drunk and to have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I don't get the connection, but to be fair, if you're that drunk, it is a good idea to carry a fire extinguisher just in case your breath ignites. There you Very go. Possible. Anyway, police said that Mulkey uh, has a long rap sheet and was already facing charges for allegedly stealing two laptops. He may be the only person whose laptop has more crazy stuff on it than Hunter Biden's. It could be. Could be. Anyway, finally, congratulations to Avin Dugas of Reserve, Louisiana. I guess she just broke her own Guinness World Record for the world's largest afro. Her old record was four feet, four inches in circumference. It's now five feet, four oh, inches good. around. Now, get this. Her afro is two inches bigger around than Kevin Hart is tall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For she says the biggest downside to her giant afro is that she has no peripheral vision. But at least when she crosses the street, all the drivers see her. <laughs> How does she sleep? I don't know. Oh, but wait. Oh. This story is about to get even more hairy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's nothing compared to Australian artist Danny Reynolds, who took the Guinness World Record for the world's widest wig, eight and a half feet wide. I can only assume these ladies live in open concept houses. Well, to be honest, I bet a Southern lady could get that to stay up with one can of Aquanet. What I do you guarantee think? you, boy. Anyway, both Evan and Danny are now competing for a third world record for most people cursing behind you in a movie theater. So while they're watching Shonda's movie, please, ladies, sit in the back row so you do not obscure exactly. the vision for everybody else trying to watch Roll Light. All right, before things get any hairier around here, we're going <laughs> to cut out. But until next time, remember, we read the news. Well, coming up, best-selling author Raymond Arroyo will enlighten us. And later, cutting-edge comedy with Max Winfrey. You're watching Huckabee. Guess what, everybody? We're going on a cruise. The Steps of Paul Mediterranean Cruise is coming up October the 29th through November the 7th aboard a spectacular cruise ship just for our group. You met Shonda Pierce earlier. She's going to be joining us along with Guy Penrod and many more special guests. I hope you sign up today at thegreatesttrip.com. We're going to have a great time, aren't we, Shonda? Oh, I'm so excited about it. Isn't it wonderful to see him in person? <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to be on a boat with him? <laughs> Oh, I cannot wait because he is the best. Did I get, get my 10 bucks? Yeah, you get your trip now, Shonda. Thank you very much. Shonda will be with us with her great comedy. Well, Raymond Arroyo has had a long career as a broadcaster and interviewer. You know him best from Fox News where he's on all the time, and he's just a beloved figure there. You may not realize he is a best-selling author with a number of books, and the new one is just special. It's a part of a series called The Turnabout Tales, children's book 
And this one's called The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Here to light up our show, please give a great welcome to Raymond Arroyo. <laughs> Thank you all. Great to be here. Governor. Welcome. Thank you. What a what a place this is. Well, I mean, wow. It, it's an humble little home for us, but we love it. Oh, well. I'm so glad you wrote this book because Thomas Edison is one of my favorite historical figures. Well, and I read a biography of him when I was in the second grade, and I've been a fan of what he did. It's an amazing well, story. Uh, we underappreciate the things that Edison bequeathed to us. The microphone, yes. the motion picture camera, the light bulb, of course, the dynamo, the electric grid, on and on and on, on down to even your hair curlers. All of that was Thomas, <laughs> can you believe it? And the tattoo pen. Uh, all of that was Thomas <laughs> he Edison. Did the, he did the tattoo he pen? He did the tattoo pen. He wow. did the curling iron. He did, um, and of course, the phonograph. The first record label in the United States was Edison's in West Orange, New mm. Jersey. So an incredible American innovator. And I stumbled on this story, Governor. I knew about what Edison had created. Yeah. I didn't know how it all came to be. And the truth is, in second grade, he was eight years old, he goes to school, the schoolmaster throws him out and says he can't be taught, he's an idiot. Because Thomas he, Edison. Thomas Edison. Because wow. he probably had ADHD, he was yeah. daydreaming, he couldn't stay still, he was, yeah. you know, moving. And they threw him out of school. His mother takes him back and says, my boy has more intelligence than you'll ever have, I'm going to homeschool him myself. Wow. She did. Now, Nancy and Thomas Edison, his mother Nancy, they should be the patron saints of homeschooling. Yeah. And how we lost this story, I don't know, but I wanted to capture it here. It's really about how a mother's love and devotion to her son. Well, I found a quote from him. Late in life, Edison said, if not for my mother and her devotion and faith in me at a particular moment, for allowing me to follow my own bent, I would never have become an inventor. But what a great lesson for our education system. First, yeah. don't give up on that kid that you think may have a disability. What he may have is a greater sense of curiosity. You're right. And he may be another Thomas Edison. You know, a lot of people don't know about Edison. We did a little survey with our audience oh. last week, Raymond. And uh, we're going to just let some stuff come up here on the screen because I want people to see what we found. 89% of the people knew that he invented the light bulb. Wow. Okay. And Good guess. This is one most people Ooh. did not know this. I, I didn't know this until I started researching the story. 63% realized he was deaf. Yeah. He was deaf at 12 years old. Mm. Think of that. The man who created the phonograph, the first, what he called yeah. talking machines, couldn't really hear. And if you go to the Edison lab today, even the piano that they would play on, there are teeth marks on the edge of the piano. That's how Edison heard. He would bite down on the edge of the piano so the vibrations could reverberate. He created the first cochlear implant without knowing it. Wow. I mean, it's incredible. It is incredible. It's incredible. Another thing uh, we asked of our audience was this. Did he discover DC power, direct current? Yes. And 60% said that he did. That was yes. a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple more we'll take a look at real quick. Boy, you all did your research. I love yeah, this. Yeah, we, we wanted to be prepared for you. Okay. That he had ADHD disorder. Only 35% yeah. knew that. Yep. Two-thirds of the people had no idea yep. that he was in that way. All right, next Very one. likely. Uh, developed rechargeable batteries, 25%. Mm -hmm. So very few people knew that he did that. And fought in the Civil War, which he actually did he not did do. We just threw that one in there yeah, to keep our audience on their toes. Don't do that. 
He really didn't no. do it at all. No, no, don't lay that on him. They'll be taking down all those monuments in Menlo Park. Don't. <laughs> yeah. We don't want you know, that one of the things happen. that's great about your book, and, and you've made this comment before, it's a book certainly for children, but it's really a book for the whole family. I agree. I write books. They, people call them picture books or children's books. I always call them family reads because mm. particularly a story like this, but any story, the communication between the adult and that child, the grandparent or parent and that child, that communication is richer mm. and deeper and in some ways more important than anything I can put between the, 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 the uh, binding of a book. It, 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 it enlarges the story. It allows the family to go on a journey together. And it allows parents a moment to share your values, your experience, your own story to children. We were talking about this before the show. Yeah. Americans have lost the American story. We've forgotten our own history. We have. If you don't know who you are, you don't know who you can be. And I'm hoping in a small way with this Turnabout Tales series, and our motto is challenges faced, decisions made, history turned. Because that happens not only in Edison's life or in my next book, but in all of our lives. And we've got to identify those great American Turnabout Tales as they happen and recognize the ones in the past. Well, I want you to know I'm going to be reading this book to three of my grandchildren because I'm babysitting them all weekend I love as soon it. as I get back. Mm -hmm. If you want more facts on Thomas Edison, Raymond Arroyo, and if you want to purchase, and you do, The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we have links that will get you to exactly how to put this book in your family's hands. It ought to be a runaway bestseller. What a great story. Speaking of great stories, Keith Bilbrey is going to shine a light on what's coming up next and tell the story of our show. Keith? Well, stunt comedian Max Winfrey is coming up next, then later, country music with the French family. Welcome back, everybody. By the way, uh, we're glad Trey was not completely eliminated from that last I don't thing. get paid enough for this job. Well, but, you know, we do appreciate you and the Music City Connection for the best music in America. Let's give them a big hand. Well, Camille and Stewie French have an amazing story. She's from New Zealand. He's from Tasmania. They married in Australia and scored major music awards. Now with millions of views online and their son, Sonny, joining it, they make fantastic country music and recently debuted at the Grand Ole Opry. Would you please welcome the French Family Band. Great to have you guys. You guys moved from your home countries, came to Nashville just before the pandemic. You got here, barely settled in, and everything shut down. Exactly. Did you, did you question your sanity and say, what have we done? Uh, Everyone we, did. Yeah, Excellent. we did. Our family did. You know, they were ringing us saying, I think you should come back home. <laughs> you know, they were. And um, I don't know, we, we had our hearts set on coming here. And um, even, even through the pandemic, it was like, no, we're just going to make the most of this. So we started doing these online shows and it, they kind of went a bit crazy. 
Well, it's amazing your career. I mean, even from the pandemic has taken off. Not many people get to the Grand Ole Opry as soon as you have. You just did your debut in March of this year. That's got to be one of the coolest experiences in the world to go to the Grand Ole Opry. We definitely kicked the bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Mm. Sonny, you've only been playing guitar like, what, three and a half, four years? Yeah, coming up around four-ish. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just got the bug. Grew up around um, mum and dad always playing music and going to shows. And, you know, I guess, I don't know, I just fell in love with it. It's pretty well, i got to cool. tell you, in rehearsals this afternoon, I was listening to you play and I'm thinking, this guy's got to be playing since he was two. <laughs> so whatever musical chops mom and dad have, they've given them to you and you are on fire, young man. I tell you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, it is impressive thank to watch you, you as a family perform. You wrote a song that you're going to do first tonight called 1945, and it's just very powerful. What's, this, what's the backstory of that? Well, the backstory is um, when I was a little kid back home in Tasmania, I found an old music program that had Nashville, Tennessee written on it. Mm. And I, oh, what's this? I was just getting into playing the guitar. I was about nine or ten. And I asked my dad, and he said, and he, and he went, wow. He'd lo- he thought he'd lost it. And what it was was he'd won it. In 1945, he, he wrote into the, the Grand Ole Opry because he managed to pick up the Grand Ole Opry, Opry on his radio in Tasmania. <laughs> wow. And it was crazy, you know, like he never picked up it before or after. So he, he won the furthest away listener. And this program, um, I saw it, you know, and uh, so we wrote a song about it. And 50 years later, I stood on the Opry stage and I rang Dad next day to say, I stood on the Opry stage where you heard the radio show back 50 years before. He never made it to Nashville, but the night we played on the Opry, we think he was watching. So. From the best seat yeah. in the house, yeah. he saw the performance and he had to be proud. We're proud to have you here. Yeah. Keith, you know a little about the Opry having been the announcer there for 35 years, so you can relate to it. But while the French uh, family gets all set up, why don't you tell our viewers how they can get more of the music of the French family. I'm convinced once they hear them, they're going to want a whole lot more of their music. Well, just head to Huckabee.tv for links to all their albums, live dates, and more. Now, performing their song 1945 with Trey Corley of the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, here's the French Family Band. Silver wings 
As we sing, I saw the light. 